Good day to you, and welcome to the podcast for the Union Street Meeting House. In this podcast, we will be sharing messages from our weekly worship services. Union Street Meeting House is a Christian ministry that introduces people of all ages to Jesus Christ and recalls those who once knew Him back into an intimate, vibrant, living relationship with Him. We are a house for Christian fellowship and personal growth. You are always welcome here at Union Street Meeting House. Let's go into this week's message right now. Well, we have, uh, we have been blessed by your testimonies. Thank you for sharing. We want to say Happy New Year to each one of you. We're grateful that we can be here with you this morning. Uh, Pastor Tim is taking a little break. He needs that. He's been so faithful. And we're grateful that he was able to be with his family. And thank you for your testimonies. I was, uh, I was raised in testimony meeting. I was raised in a little church out here on Route 1, Wise Chapel. Some of you may be familiar. And in that church, we had three, three churches on that charge, and that meant that the preacher only came every other Sunday. So on the Sunday when the preacher wasn't there, uh, a layman in our church, uh, which for many years was my dad, would lead in a testimony meeting. And so I, uh, I, I know testimony meetings. I know the value of them. John Wesley, of course, was the one that promoted that in, the, in England. John Wesley was a priest in the Anglican Church. He lived in his 90s, but he never came out of the Anglican Church. And he never started any churches. He started societies. And a part of that society would be a class meeting. And in that class meeting would be a testimony meeting, just like we just had. And the question upon which those testimonies were based was, how is it with your soul? And this gave a people an opportunity to share what God was doing in their life. And so I'm, I'm grateful for the heritage that I have. And I'm enriched by your testimony this morning Grateful for each one of you that shared. Thank you, Pastor Bill, for sharing from what you learned from Dutch Sheets. The idea of say it again is what a testimony is. Some few years ago, uh, Joyce and I heard uh, Pastor Bill Johnson teach on that. And he shared how that he was in a particular church where a um, young lady had had a, a serious accident and somewhere between her knee and her ankle, uh, it's something about a horse accident, I don't know how, but anyway, when she fell, it gouged out a large part of that muscle in her leg. And uh, in that service, God healed her leg, completely restored it. It was it's a supernatural thing. And then later, he was in another service and he shared that testimony. And when he shared that testimony, 
some lady got all excited because she had gone through the same thing and lo and behold, she was healed. So he just shared that testimony from meeting to meeting and more and more people got healed. And so it was a great encouragement to us to know the value of the testimony. So we're grateful. Thank you for sharing your testimony and uh, God bless you. Now, in the time that we have this morning, we're going to do a little running Bible study. And if you didn't bring your Bible, there's a Bible right there in the, uh, in the pew in front of you. And we're just going to do a little running Bible study. And we're going to start in chapter 15 of Acts. It's a very familiar passage. Um, and my wife is going to read for you. She will start. In Acts chapter 15, verse 36, and she'll read through chapter 16, verse 5. Uh, before I start, I'd just like to share uh, how much your testimonies encourage my heart. And as you look back, I can think of through the years as each one shared a different word. That word ministered to me so many different times, you know, and that is this testimony that he will repeat it and minister to you. I was thinking as uh, Cheryl first started out, Emmanuel, God with us. And we all think of that. We all know that God is with us. And, uh, but then sometimes, you know, the old devil thinks, oh, is he really with you as you uh, go through life? But uh, we were listening to, we got a word from uh, Pastor Vitale, as some of you may know that... Uh, Pastor Carl ministered with him in the Ukraine and all. And you heard so many testimonies of where people were so happy through all of this tragedy that has gone on in Ukraine. They may not have had a home. They may not have had food. They may not have had shelter. But the joy of the Lord was on their faces that they had now been welcomed into a family where they never had a family, where uh, ministers or other ministries, Pastor Vitale had brought them in and brought them out to bring them in to a family. And that's what the family of God is. As you heard the testimonies also of a YWAM ministry and all, how they had these young people had the opportunity to flee from all that was going on, but the Lord directed them back to be able to help others to bring them out. And, you, you know, it made me stop and think, would I do that? You know, or would I just want to get to the good part of it, you know, and to be safe? But anyway, I bless those people, and I'm thankful that God has plans and purposes for all of our lives, you know. We don't know what God has for us, right. but we do know that God will see us through, you know. I can remember losing my husband and... Carl Lewis and his wife, you know, and you think, what, Lord, what do you have for us? But a scripture that he gave to me and that he even continued to give to me uh, this year, that we all look for a word. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So as a word, I think, Lord, I have three words this year. I have hope 
and I have peace, and I have joy. And uh, even in our devotion today started out, it said, choose joy. Choose joy. And I'm choosing to walk in joy. I'm choosing to walk in peace. And I'm choosing to walk in hope. No matter what is going on. Uh, we have lost several friends this year also, as many of you have. And we even have a funeral tomorrow and all. But, you know, God is with us. And we can comfort those wherewith that we have received comfort that we have gone through. Where others have comforted us in the past. That we may be able to speak into the lives of others to know that he has never forsaken us he never will he says he will go with you he has us in the palm of his hand and no matter what he knows the plans and purposes he has for your life we never thought that we would be where we were we are today and it's so cute as all of you it's a blessing as you talk about 52 years and 53 years of marriage and all you know uh, Carl and I will be walking down the street and the other day and this woman said to us Oh, that's so sweet. You've just been together for years, haven't you? You know, and we just smile, you know. Me and we, we are old people, older people and all, and we had the opportunity of being together for years. But I'm thankful we haven't been together all that many, but we're working on 19. And God is good. He has graced our lives. He has blessed us all. And he has given us joy and peace and hope. And the best is yet to come. Yes. I bless you all with a happy new year. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God is good. Hallelujah. If I can see now. Whew. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you're a God of truth and a God of mercy. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord God. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you the word is health to our flesh and strength to our bones. And Lord God, I pray for increase in all of us, Lord Jesus, that we may hear the word, Lord, as Pastor uh, Carl preaches it this morning, that our ears may be open, Lord God. And Father, that it will not lie dormant within us, Lord Jesus.
us, but it will fall upon good ground and that we may go forth and do our part to see your kingdom come to bear upon this earth. So we bless you and praise you and we just thank you. Bless my husband today in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, we thank you and praise you. Amen. Uh, I felt I, I wanted to use this. Number one, it's familiar. Uh, and I, uh, it has to do with transition. Now, in my opinion, the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, is in the process of going through a transition. And uh, this, uh, the transition process is never easy. Uh, when you take uh, an area, let's take uh, uh, Rehoboth Bay, for example. You're familiar with it. To go from the Rehoboth Bay out through the Indian River Inlet into the ocean, as you go through that inlet, the currents in that inlet are so contrary. It's a good place to have a, a shipwreck. Uh, it's a good place to get smashed against the rocks. So transitions, many times, and going through those is dangerous. And so we need the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to hold firm as we pass through. Now what's happening here in Acts 15 is the church is going through a transition. And it's such a beautiful transition that I wanted us to see. And then I want you to see what happens as they began to work this out and move forward. Now think about this. Jesus died on the cross. So it's about 20 years from the cross to Acts 15. When Jesus died on the cross, the history of the world changed. Things will never be the same again. And what happened was, was that God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, resolved the issue of sin. We capture that in the word atonement. And it's interesting because the word atonement is not even used in the New Testament. There's another word used called propitiation. And, and I don't want to go, get into all that this morning, but I just want you to understand that from the time of the Garden of Eden until the cross, sin was a major problem. And God himself chose to resolve the sin issue in the Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture says it this way, that God made him who knew no sin... Come on. To become sin. That we might be made righteousness of God in Him. He took our sin, put it on Jesus, and nailed Him to the cross. Scripture says in Isaiah, it pleased the Lord to bruise Him. And it takes us some doing to even get our mind around the fact of what's happening here They would come to the place where the Son of God Himself in the darkness of the hour would cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so at the cross, the change comes. 
But we have to be careful because in the history of the church, we haven't paid enough attention to the day of Pentecost because everything changed in the world again on the day of Pentecost. Ten days after the ascension of Jesus or 50 days after the resurrection, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. And the world has never been the same since. There's a whole new phenomena that takes place after Pentecost. Jesus captured it when he talked to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Not of the will of the man or will of flesh, but born of the Spirit. And so it is. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, we put a lot of emphasis on these all spoken tongues and they were all praising God. But they were also received the spirit of adoption whereby they became the sons of God. For the first time in the history of the world, men and women walking on the face of the earth were now sons of the living God. That's an awesome thought. That's who you are this morning. You're not just somebody trying to make it. You are a child of God. You have received the spirit of adoption into your heart, born again, not by the will of men, but by the spirit of the living God. And that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and quickens your body to face the challenges that you're faced with here in this generation. And we're faced with some challenges So I wanted us to think about how they handled these challenges. Think about it. From the time of Abraham, see, God chose Abraham miraculously after the flood. God had to reject all the nations. He gave up on them. And he chose one man. And he said, if you want to be in this covenant relationship with me, I want you to be uh, circumcised. I want all your household to be circumcised. And from that point on, for 2,000 years, circumcision was the sign of a covenantal relationship with God. And now we come to the place where that's all in question. Are to be a part of the church, do you need to be circumcised or not? That's the issue that has to be solved here. Keep in mind, the scripture says they could not eat the Passover if they were not circumcised. They were not allowed to do that. So circumcision was a major, major issue. And now we see a change. And they're, they're wondering, Paul started on his first missionary journey. And when he came back, he found that there were others that went in behind him, Judaizers, that began to teach you must first become a Jew and you must be circumcised and you must keep the law and you must fulfill these requirements. And so they decided to have a meeting in Jerusalem to resolve the problem. We're talking about transition. This didn't come easy. 20 years have gone by. Jesus said, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel, but they hadn't gone far. 
You remember that James was killed in chapter 12 and they still hadn't gone far. The furthest they'd gone was Samaria. But things had happened, things had transpired. And at this council, this is such a powerful chapter, this 15. At this council, three powerful things were spoken. We'll just look at them briefly. Look at this. In Acts 15, notice what it says. Notice now in verse 6. And the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much dispute, Peter arose and said, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them, giving them the Holy Spirit, even as he did us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Amazing statement. So we, the first powerful thing that happens is that Peter says, God is purifying Gentiles by faith. He has given them the Holy Spirit. Now you remember the occasion. Peter was hungry. It was about noontime. He went on the roof at the tanner's house. Remember? And while he was there, the sheet was let down and it had all kinds of, of animals in it that were unclean animals. And the Lord said to Peter, you kill and eat. And he said, no, Lord, I, I don't eat unclean things. That happened three times. And the end of that, the Lord said to him, don't call what I call clean. Don't call it unclean. And then while he was thinking, I think there was a knock came on the door. Men sent from a, a, a Gentile's house, Cornelius, a centurion, a, a man who was seeking God. They came looking for Peter and they took him to Cornelius's house. And Peter was scared. He, he hadn't done anything like this before. He went into that, car, that Gentile's house and there he, he began to proclaim to them the gospel. As he proclaimed the gospel, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Peter couldn't stop what God had determined to do because God is not willing that anyone should perish. God just doesn't love the Jews. He loves whosoever will will call on the name of the Lord. And so Peter speaks up. He's had an experience. And it wasn't something that Peter planned. He didn't go to school for this. God intervened in his life and changed his way of thinking. Cornelius received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, purified by faith. And then the second big thing that happened was in verse 12. And all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Saul, declaring the miracles and wonders that God worked through them for the Gentiles. In other words, now the second testimony comes, as what we've had here this morning is testimonies. And this second testimony comes along and says, hey, we went all, 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 all to Cyprus and then we went up into what would be present day Turkey and we visited five cities there. And in each one of those cities, people came to know the Lord, sick were healed and, and marvelous things. God did great things. And they were saying, how, how can this be? And then we have the third major thing was James, the brother of Jesus, who's now head of the church. And James speaks up, and this is so powerful. In verse 13, 
And after they had become silent, James answered saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God first visited the Gentiles to take for their people for his name. And with the words of the prophets agree just as it is written. And so he said the words of the prophet agree with what Peter has said here. And he begins to read from Amos Verse 16, and after this I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David which is fallen down and I will rebuild its ruins and set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all Gentiles who are called by my name says the Lord who does all these things known to God from eternity are all his works. And I could continue, but I want to hold here. Three great testimonies come forth. Number one is Peter. He's had, a, he's had an experience where God intervened supernaturally and brought Gentiles to salvation. Paul and Barnabas had been on a first missionary trip and God did marvelous things there. It wasn't philosophy. It was lives being changed, cities being turned upside down, people liberated in the name of Jesus. And then, then the apostle James, Jesus' brother, quotes the prophet Amos. And he said he's going to rebuild the tabernacle of David. In other words, there's no veil. And everybody can come and gather around the Lord. And so now, they, they said, this sounds good. This is a good thing. So they made a decree, and I'll not read the whole decree, but look at verse 23 of chapter 15. And you should abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, from sexual immorality. And if you keep yourself from these, you would do well, farewell. So what this council did, they came to a conclusion. And their conclusion was that you didn't have to be circumcised. You didn't have to keep the law. You didn't have to keep the dietary requirements. He said there's four things. And they wrote these four things down. Abstain from things offered to idols. Abstain from blood. Abstain from things strangled. And abstain from sexual immorality. These four things. They're called decrees. And they say, we want you now to take these decrees back to those churches and so that those people are not confused thinking that they have to fulfill the law or do circumcision and all of that. And so they then in chapter 16, they set out to accomplish this. Now, there came a time when Paul said he was ready to go. And of course, on his first missionary journey, why, uh, John Mark had been with them, and Barnabas, and now Barnabas was ready to go and take John Mark again, and Paul said, no, we're not going to take John Mark back with us again. And this says the contention between them was so sharp that Barnabas took John Mark and went to Cyprus. Paul took Silas and headed out on his journey. Now, this is interesting to me. Now, I want you to take your Bible, and I'd like you to turn in your Bible to, to your maps. You've got in the back, you've got some maps, and I want you to go to the third uh, missionary journey. 
of Paul. Look at those maps and you'll be able to see some interesting things here. When Paul sets out, um, he, he, if, if you'll notice on your map that uh, you can, if you find all the way over on the right-hand side of your map, you'll find the city of Antioch. And this is where uh, Barnabas was, where Paul was. It's where the, the Gentile church had got established there. And so this is where they were. So Paul leaves Antioch and he crosses over out of Syria now into what is present-day Turkey because that's his home over at Tarshish. So he went on past Tarshish and he went to Derby. it says, Derby and to Lystra. Now you have to remember that it was there that Paul had been stoned on his previous missionary journey. But he's coming back. He's bringing the decrees to the people. He has Silas with him. And then the scripture says that he went on to Iconium and on up to Antioch. And he was in the area of this Phagria and in Pisidia and in the area of Galatia. Okay? Now, it's interesting. Now, you, you see this. Now, I'm, I'm going to read to you scripture, but I want you to continue looking at the map. And verse 5 of chapter 16, it says this, So the churches were strengthened in faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone through Phagria and the region of Galatia, now do you see those two areas on your map? They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach in Asia. Now Asia is not the continent that we think about today because you'll notice on your map there's an area there called Asia. They're in western Turkey. Okay? So they, when they, they were, they could not, they were forbidden by the Spirit. Now, after that, they came to Mysia. And you'll see on your map in the western end of Turkey is a place, a geographic area called Mysia. And they tried to go to Bithynia. Bithynia is to the north. It's up and you'll see Bithynia and Pontus. They were going to, but it says the Spirit did not permit them. So passing on by Mysia, they came to Troas. And do you see Troas on your map? It's the very end of Turkey. You see it? So they wound up over there. All right. I want you to think with me because I want to give you just some basic principles for Christian life as we move through the transition that we're going to be going through in these days ahead. We're coming to the end of an age. And things are not going to be normal anymore. Things are going to be very disturbed and very disrupt, especially among governments. There'll be wars like you've never seen before, plus other things, and I'll not go into all that at the moment, except to say to you that if you're not prepared for the unexpected, you're going to be in trouble. And so our first principle that I want to give to you is that all progress in the Christian life is by faith. <laughs> okay? Faith. <laughs> Those that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. All right? Faith, we don't walk by sight, 
Paul wanted to go into these areas and minister. He wanted to go into the Galatia area. The Spirit said no. He wanted to go to Misha. No. Wanted to go to Bithynia. No. So he kept pressing forward to as far as he could go till he got to Troas, which is all the way at the end of the uh, continent. It's the very end. He's, he can't go any further. Okay? Now, all progress in the Christian life is by faith. Okay? <laughs> I want you to think about something. <laughs> uh, Paul is not a quitter. He that endures to the end shall be saved. There is a place where we have to endure on. We don't understand. It doesn't make sense. But we have to press on in the purposes of God. We can't quit and go home. On the first missionary journey, John Mark quit and went home. And Paul on the second missionary journey said, I'm not taking him. Paul is not a quitter, go home kind of guy. He's a kind of guy that just presses on. And his theory is this. He gives it to us in his letter to the Ephesians. And he said, having done all, stand. Having done all, stand right there. Just stand right there. Don't give up what you've done. Stand right there. Okay? I like people who stand. I have a letter that I received in October. It came from Wayne Myers. I don't know if anyone in here knows Wayne or not. Wayne Myers. I met Wayne Myers in the 70s when he ministered in Salisbury, Ray Chamberlain's church. And he was raising money for missions. He always raises money for missions. He's a great guy. He's a faith guy. And then when I went to Bible school in Pensacola, he was there and, and he did a lot of mission conferences for us, raised hundreds of thousands of dollars, gave a lot of money himself. I love Wayne Myers. Now, Wayne Myers is not a quit and go home kind of guy. This is a picture of him. You can't see the picture, but he in this picture is celebrating his 100th birthday. He lives in Mexico, and he has, he has a theory, and his theory is you live to give, and he, he raises a lot of money, and when you're in Wayne meetings, you give money, you give money that you don't have. I mean, I mean, if we were students and none of the students ever had any money, but we gave cars and bicycles and everything we had because he's that kind of guy. God is looking for people who are willing to press on with what he wants to do. Wayne was this kind of guy. He was a great inspiration. Now, here's how he worked. He would, he, he would go in Mexico. Matter of fact, some of you may not know Louis O'Neill. I don't know if you know Louis or not. Louis lives over, over uh, Bill knows him. Uh, you, you may know him. Um, Louis lives over there in Sycamore. Uh, and, and Louis went to a church when he was growing up. I think it was Shiloh. 
a little Methodist church. And, uh, and while, he, while Lewis was, Lewis is a year or two older than I am, and uh, he was a boy in his Sunday school class. And in that Sunday school class, they raised money to buy Wayne Myers a bicycle so he could go from village to village in Mexico. Okay. Now, here's how he would work. He would go in a village in Mexico. And of course, Mexican people didn't have any money. They didn't have anything. And he's a man of faith and he's teaching them faith. So he says, his theory is this, live to give. Okay. So he would go in these villages. They didn't have any money. He would get people saved. Boy, he, he loved Jesus. He, he'd get people saved and they didn't have a church. So he'd say, you need a church. Well, they said, we, we don't have any money to build a church. So he, he would take an offering. And, and they would bring their chickens or they'd bring whatever they had, little or nothing. And people would, some, uh, some Americans would be a little bit critical of him because they said, how can you do that? How can you take from people that don't hardly have anything? How can you do that? And he said, oh, it's real easy. He said, because in God, in the ways of God, if you don't plant, you don't reap. Whatsoever you sow, that shall you also reap. And he says the people have got to learn to give. That's the way the kingdom works. And so he would take this and he would gather together and then he would sell that kind of stuff so that they had enough money to put up the sides of the church. Then he would raise the money personally to put the roof on the church. And he would just go from village to village and start church after church. Now here's... Here's what his letter says. God has enabled us to roof more than 6,000 churches for which we have proof and copies of each roof. It has been such an adventure knowing that God is in all of this using your life to bless others. 100 years old, started 6,000 churches how many of you know that when you're going from village to village in Mexico on a bicycle among the poorest people on the face of the earth, it can get a little discouraging. And you might want to go back home to Texas to where you came from, but he's not that kind of guy. He's not a quitter. He don't go home because all progress in the Christian life is by faith. And so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to keep on. It doesn't matter what the obstacles are. If God is for you, who can be against you? The best is still yet to come. And as we go through this transition of turmoil of government and all of these things come on the earth, which the Bible has prophesied, Paul said, think it not strange when these things come upon you. It's a part of our journey, and God wants us to continue on completing what he has called us to do. Now, I'm going to move through what I, the rest of this rather quickly. I won't take the time to read all the scriptures. I'll just try to narrate it for you. Paul now is at Troas. He has been cut off. He can't go here and there. Now, in the middle of the night, he gets a vision. And there's a man from Macedonia that says, come over here and help us. <laughs> and so they said, okay, Macedonia, we'll go to Macedonia. Macedonia is not a city 
Macedonia would be like saying, come to Delmarva. So they go across and they cross over and they go to what they call a principal city, which is Philippi. It's a major city. They go to that city and they just begin to walk in through that city, back and forth through that city, just talking about Jesus. Now here's the point. Here's the principle. Guidance comes when you begin to move forward, not while you're sitting on the front porch. Guidance by the Holy Spirit in your life is like a rudder on a ship. A rudder, a small rudder, will change the direction of a great ship. But the rudder does not change that ship as long as the ship is setting in dock. So you have to begin to move. You have to be willing to take steps of faith. All progress is by faith. Now we get guidance as we begin to move. So Paul then gets all the way over to Troas. He hasn't been to Troas before, but now he gets the vision. Oh, okay, we'll go over there to Macedonia. Macedonia is not the place. He goes to a principal city, Philippi. Now he's just walking up and down the street, seeing what happens, and the Sabbath day comes. Now when we follow the principle of Paul's activity, Here's what happens. Paul goes in a city, whether it's Lystra or Derby, Antioch, he goes in the city, and in the city, he'll go to the synagogue. And then he, get, he then, then declares how the scriptures reveal Jesus Christ. And as he does that, there are some who believe and there's some who hate him. The point is this. Now he's in a strange city. He's never been there before. He has with him, he has picked up uh, Timothy along the way, and he has Luke with him, he has Silas with him, and he's never been here before. There's no synagogue, so what's he going to do? He found out that there's a place over by the river where the women gather for prayer. So he gathered, he went over to the river. And sure enough, he began to just share with the ladies. And as he began to share with those ladies in that prayer meeting, the scripture says that the Lord opened the heart of Lydia and she believed and she was baptized. Now, it just so happened that Lydia was a wealthy lady. Isn't that interesting? If he'd been looking for a wealthy lady, I suppose he would have found one. Who knows? There I was. So let me, here's the third principle I want to give to you. All progress is by faith. Guidance comes as you begin to move. And third, where God guides, he provides. And so Lydia says to him, said, I want you to come to our house. She was so insistent that Paul says, she persuaded us. And now... Paul and his team has got a place. They've got, they're going to have food. They're going to have a place to rest. God has provided it for them. How many of you know God's going to provide for you? Amen. I want to encourage you to keep on and keep it on when it looks like that the whole thing has gone wrong. God is still in control. He still loves you. He has a plan for your life. And where he guides you, he will provide. So... 
They now began to just minister, and this girl begins to follow. Now, you remember this story. This girl begins to follow, and she said, these are ministers of the Most High God that show us the way. And she yicked and yacked behind them till Paul got sick and tired of it. And finally, Paul turned around to that dear, precious girl and cast the devil out of her, set her free, but it didn't set that town free. That whole town went upside down. They drugged Paul and Silas into the city square before the magistrates said, these guys teach customs that's not good for us. And so they beat them with many stripes, told the jailer, put them in the toughest spot, locked them in the middle of the jail. Well, how many of you know that's tough on your faith. But they didn't give it up, did they? And so what did they do? They began to sing, glory to God, glory to God. They didn't sing Silent Night. <laughs> no, no, no. They, they, they were singing glory be to God. And it said the prisoners were listening to them. That's interesting. Can you imagine that? Those prisoners in there that live in dungeon. Oh, the terrible place. And now these guys in here are singing and praising God. Just lifted. It was awesome. Awesome. And suddenly, God shook up that prison. You notice the earthquake came, shook that prison so living hard. I don't understand this, but it said the chains fell off. <laughs> get a load of that. <laughs> yeah. You say, how am I going to get out of this? Don't worry about it. Just keep praising God. And giving God thanks and giving glory. How many of you know he makes all things work together for good for those that love him and are called according to prayer? Huh? He, I'm telling you in 23, he's for us in 23. He's not against us. He has a plan for our life. Bless God. They can run into us, run over us. Oh, man. How many of you know we're more than conquerors in Jesus Christ? Huh? Yeah. So we're going to get into all kinds of problems. So what's the point? Here's the principle. Your faith will be opposed. Count on it. Just know that it's going to be opposed. The enemy will come against you one way or other. I've had the craziest week I've had in a long time. <clears throat> Holy mackerel. Oh, merciful fathers. Oh, dear Lord. I, I, I started getting these chills and I felt terrible and I went to yeah, down at that place at Mergy Center and I said, hey man, I was bad off. They said, oh, okay, you got a you got a you got a urinary tract infection. I've had that before. About once a year that happens to me, seems like. So I said, okay, so they gave me this medicine. Well then next thing I know the medicine totally reacted against me. And I was having more problems than I had before. <laughs> Lord have mercy. What a mess, huh? What a mess. You just have to keep on keeping on. What are you going to do? I mean, you feel like drawing up in a hole and dying. I go, the world, you're coughing and everything else. Okay? But if God's for us, we just got to keep on going. The enemy, what am I saying? The enemy is going to oppose you. Just expect him to oppose you. And so the, the jailer jumps in there. The jailer thought they were all gone. And he's he going to kill himself. I mean, he just, well, he was over for him. But Paul said, hey, don't do yourself any harm. 
And so he grabbed a light and came in there and his question was, what do I got to do to get saved? You know, I'm just wondering. When that jailer came running in there with that light to talk to Paul, I'm wondering if Paul recognized that fella as that guy that said, come over to Macedonia and help us. Huh? I wonder if that was that same guy. How many of you know he was getting some help? He was getting something he didn't get any other way. He couldn't get it from the politicians. He couldn't get it from anybody else. But all of a sudden, God had intervened. Oh, thank God intervenes in our life. And he brings us to the place where he shows himself strong. And all the foundations upon which we built our life mount to nothing to sand. God said, trust me with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge the Lord God and he will direct your path. Somebody say glory to God. Yes. I'm telling you, if God's for us, who can be against us, Pastor Bill? The Lord is good. And that guy got saved. So the next morning, those politicians, well, just tell it like the Bible has it, the Democrats. <laughs> yeah. They said to the deputy, they said, you go down there in the prison and tell Paul and Silas, get out of town. So they did. They said, they said, hey, 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 get your stuff, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Paul, five foot two. He stood up to his full height and I'd say, he said, yeah. They have treated us and beat us openly as citizens of Rome. No trial. Oh, oh, they said, you Romans. We never thought to ask you about that. Yeah. <laughs> Paul said, I remember. Yeah, we're not going anywhere. You said the head guy down here talked to me. Yeah. So the head guys, he went back and told him. The head guy said, ooh. So he went over to taste the cream, and he got some <laughs> special coffee. And he got the best donuts they got in there. I kind of with that cream and a good kind. Oh, yes. He He's like, oh, Paul, you're such a wonderful person. We bring you some coffee. <laughs> we just love you so much, yes. Paul said, you better believe you love me, fella. I could have your job if I wanted it. He said, I'm going to go back over to Lydia's house, say goodbye. I'm going to continue to turn Europe upside down. You have to understand... This was the first time the gospel had been preached in Europe. We are here this morning because the gospel was preached in Europe. Paul took that gospel over there. Blessed be God. God's word did not return to him void. It's an incorruptible seed that brings forth good fruit. And here we are in the kingdom of God celebrating the Lord Jesus Christ and our salvation. Paul left town. What's the point? The point is when we fulfill these principles of faith, faith has a reward. And God rewards you 
He knows every dollar you've given into the kingdom of God. He knows every cup of water that you have given to someone. He knows every kind word, every telephone call, every call, every card you've sent to tell somebody that you love them. God is not going to forget what you've done. He is for you. And so as we approach this year, it's going to get tough. If you think it's tough, it's going to get tougher. The economy is going to go through some stuff we've never seen before. There's already stuff lined up. It can't help but come forth when we pass laws so foolish, so against God, so abominable to the kingdom of God. But it's not over yet. God is going to have a church. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's who we are. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and your faith has a reward and God hasn't forgotten you. You will reap if you plant and remain faithful until the due season. The best is yet to come. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 Stand together with me. Lord, as we bow our hearts together, we are thankful for the Word of God. And we're grateful to know that it's not over. That you are going to build your church in the face of a world that is turning darker and darker. But we're thankful this morning for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that's come to live in our hearts, that our bodies are the temple of God. So we determine to praise you in our bodies and in our spirits, for they belong to you. We're thankful to confess that Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. And so we will look unto him in the face of of the community in which we live. And we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And when it seems like we have no strength, we're thankful to know that you will strengthen us. And we're thankful to know when the enemy does oppose us, we can know that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So we pray for 19, for 2023, we pray your kingdom come, your will be done in mountain on this earth as it is in heaven. And we rejoice to know that you have chosen to use us to share a testimony of your goodness and of your grace. And now make your face to shine upon each person here and guard their hearts with the peace from heaven and fulfill their joy. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said, Amen, 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 Amen. amen. That concludes our meeting this morning. The Lord bless you with a wonderful rest of the day and a great new year. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a round of applause for his goodness and grace. Blessed be Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. You know, we would love to invite you to come and visit us in person sometime. If you're ever in our area, you can find us at 415 Union Street in Milton, Delaware. 
where we have prayer and worship services on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m., Bible study on Saturday evenings at 7 p.m., and a Sunday morning worship service at 10.30 a.m. We would love to minister to your children as well. We offer children's church during the adult service. Children are excused to go back to their classes right after the worship time. You can also find more information about us on the web at unionstreetmeetinghouse.org or on Facebook at Union Street Meeting House. So we look forward to sharing the message with you next week. Hope you'll return to this podcast. Thank you so much and God bless you.